0: Heavenly Father, we recognize our deep need for you. Lord, whether we have been walking with you for a very long time or are just starting to walk with you or are just coming back to you after a period of walking away, Lord, we we all recognize our need for you. We thank you for what you offer to us, uh, for the strength that you give to us as we seek you humbly, as we walk with you, as we are people who are committed to praying. And Lord, we pray now that as we look at a passage on prayer, that our hearts would be encouraged at what you want to do in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been really good at the wrong thing? Um, now, let me start off by saying, I'm going I'm to share a, an analogy about video games. I think video games, there's a time and a place for them uh, it's, it's fine for us all to have hobbies. It's okay for us to have things that we enjoy. But nothing, whether it's a video game or anything else, should get in the way of our of our walk with God. That, that God is to be the one that we adore and that we worship. And there could be lots of things. It could be a hobby. It could be your job. It could be money. It could be lots of things that could get in the way. But for me, uh, I remember as a sixth grader buying my, my own gaming system. And eventually I got a, a video game called Tecmo Super Bowl football. Anybody know that one? Anybody think they can beat me at it? You're wrong if you could, because I got super good at that game. Like, and, and the way that I know that I was super good is because I had another friend who was super good at it, and I could beat him. So if I could beat him, I could beat anybody in the world at that game. <laughs> and, uh, and nobody can prove me wrong. So um, I spent a lot of time playing video games. It, it really became something that was... Uh, a, I I hope I wouldn't say of first importance to me, but maybe it was. And and I remember um, going into my freshman year of college, I I met other people who played video games, and I beat them too. And uh, between my freshman and my sophomore years of college, I finally realized that, you know what, playing video games to this degree that I was playing them probably wasn't getting me at, at the things that were most important in life. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody has to make the same decision that I made, but I made a decision in between my freshman and my sophomore years of college. I was actually going to get rid of, of my video game system. And uh, I, just, I just realized that there were things that were more important in my life. And I think it's important for all of us to make sure that we're getting first things first. So we're doing this sermon series here at Cornerstone called First Things First. Over the past couple of Sundays, We've looked at the idea of, of sitting at Jesus' feet. Pastor Josh led us through that sermon a couple weeks ago from Luke 10, where Jesus told uh, somebody who was sitting at, at his feet that she had chosen the one thing that was needed and, and it was better, and it would not be taken away from her. May we be people who build our lives around meeting with Jesus. Then last Sunday, we looked at the ideas of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. It is, it is super important that we would learn how to love God, that we would actually love Him, and that as we love Him, that His love would so fill us that it overflows in love to the people around us. Because if we're not getting love right, then what are we getting right? Now today we're going to talk about the idea of prayer, because if we want to get first things first, if we want to live our lives according to what is truly important, we're going to need God's help in that. And prayer is a great way where we can humble ourselves before the Lord in faith and say, God, I need you. I I cannot do this life in my own power. So in prayer we ask God to give us what we need. Now specifically in my sermon today, as well as my sermon next Sunday, we're going to look at some prayer passages in the book of Colossians. Now, just a little bit of a background of where this came from. I lead the college ministry in town at M State Fergus Falls. It's called Crew. And last semester at Crew, I did an overview of the book of Colossians. And as I was looking at these passages on prayer in the book of Colossians, I thought, oh, I, w- I would really like to teach on these things at Cornerstone as well. So there's three passages of prayer we're going to look at. We're going to do one of them today, and and two of them next Sunday is the plan. And and just a, a quick backdrop into the book of Colossians, here's what was going on. A lot of us know about the ministry of the Apostle Paul. If you were in adult Sunday school today, we talked about some of that. He traveled all over and brought the gospel all over. Sometimes we think you know, he was there just really quick, really quick, really quick. But there were a few places where he stopped for a while. One of those places was Ephesus. And and I think I have this story right, that at Ephesus, he met a guy named Epaphras, who was from Colossae, and and Paul shared the gospel with Epaphras, and Epaphras brought the gospel to Colossae, and and it took root there, and there was a church that was built up there. And then Epaphras came back to Paul and reported to him how it was going, and then Paul continued the instruction, including giving him instructions on how to pray. So what we're going to look at today is what the Apostle Paul wrote to this church at Colossae, so that, so that they would be rooted in their faith so that they would grow as they trusted in God in prayer. Now, there's tremendous power in the prayers of Scripture. One of my desires for you all is that you would learn the prayers of Scripture and incorporate them into your prayer life. It is so powerful to know that, that when we pray according to God's will, He hears us. That's what it says in 1 John 5, that, that God hears and answers our prayers when we pray by faith according to his will he hears us so one of the things that we should be doing is getting to know the prayers in scripture and figuring out how to pray like that in our lives so the prayer passage that we're going to look at today is in first uh, it's in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14 and what I want us to do is I want us to learn how to pray pray like this for ourselves as well as for other people so we're going to learn some wonderful truths about what God wants for our lives we pray them for ourselves we pray them for other people In the beginning of this passage, in verse 9, Paul told the people of Colossae that he, along with Timothy, had not stopped praying for them. Now, I did a quick look on this, and I found at least five other places where the Apostle Paul says something like this, that he had not stopped praying. You know, we think about the Apostle Paul and his ministry and, and I think that one of the reasons that his ministry was so successful and I'm not talking success in the eyes of the world I'm talking success that we can clearly see as, as these churches were founded and built and Paul wrote scripture I think that part of the, a huge part of the reason for his success was his commitment to prayer and he did not stop praying Jesus himself once told a parable to teach us that we should always pray and not give up but I would also say that not all prayers are created equal, and that's why, again, I want to encourage us to be people who get to know the prayers of Scripture and pray like that, patterning our our lives after these prayers. So, Colossians chapter one, verses nine through fourteen. I want to read for you. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now. The Apostle Paul is known for his run-on sentences. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? And specifically with this prayer, many times I've looked at it and I'm like, what, what are the requests going on in here? The, the English, is, for me, is just kind of a little bit difficult. So I worked kind of hard this week to try to actually understand the grammar in here. And what I've done is I've boiled it down to five prayer requests that we can look at. So verse 9 is kind of like an introduction, and then it goes into five prayer requests that we're going to look at. And again, I want us to learn to pray these things for ourselves as well as for other people. So the first thing we should pray for is growth in our knowledge of God. Growth in our knowledge of God. You can see in verses 9 and 10, Paul prays for the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then he repeats himself in verse 10, praying for growth in the knowledge of God again. So it was important to Paul, so important that he mentioned it twice. You see, God wants us to know him that's, one, that's part of the great news of the Bible Is that God actually wants us to know him He doesn't want us to have to stumble around in the darkness Or to try to, you know, scratch our way Into some sort of life that we could figure out for our own God actually wants us to know him and to walk with him And I hope that you know that I hope that you know that God's desire for you is that you would be close to Him, that you would walk on the path that He has for you, and it's going to be a great joy for you. It's going to be an abundant life as you walk with Him because God wants us to know Him. God wants us to know His will as well. So that's why, again, as Pastor Josh mentioned two Sundays ago, that we should be people who keep sitting at the feet of Jesus. I love that word picture. I, I, I really appreciate that, that message that Pastor Josh gave about just the, the one thing that is needed is to be with Jesus. That we would do whatever it is that he wants us to do, including just sitting with him and listening to him. So how do we do this? How do we get to know God? How do we sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, it's amazing to know that that God has revealed his will to us, and he has done so in his word, the Bible. I want to put up for you on the screen now two quotes. These are from two different commentaries that I read this week. The first one is from a guy named Kent Hughes. He said, The scriptures become the primary source of knowledge for the believer as they are studied in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why he put knowledge in quotes there. It's not like knowledge. It's it's actual knowledge that, that God reveals to us in the scriptures. The second quote is from Warren Excuse me, Warren Wearsby. Similarly, he said, We understand the will of God through the word of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us as we submit to him. I love how both of these men pointed out both the scripture and the Holy Spirit. Because I want us to be people who are our humble seekers of God, God's word. Who are filled with the Holy Spirit as we look into his word. Trusting that God will reveal his ways to us if we humbly seek him. But that's that's a pattern of life that we need to get into. A pattern of life of of sitting at the feet of Jesus. A pattern of life in which we learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind by by meeting with Him, by listening to Him, by obeying Him, by by walking on the path that He has for us. Because something powerful happens as we meet with God. Our hearts are transformed. There's a word picture of this. Remember Moses in the Old Testament when he would go and meet with God What would happen to him? His face would become so radiant that when he came back down to meet with the people he had to put a veil over his face because they couldn't look at it because it was so bright. Now a similar thing happens to us. The New Testament tells us this in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that when we meet with God God transforms us into the likeness of God with ever increasing glory. So when we meet with God in his word when we sit at the feet of Jesus God does a work in our hearts to change us, to transform us, to make us more like Jesus. And that's what I want for all of us. I want us to grow in our knowledge of God. I want us to grow in our love for God. And that happens in, in large part as we submit to the Word of God, as we listen to what God has for us. We learn His ways for our lives. Romans twelve two says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And let me just stop there. Anybody ever done that? I have... It's so easy for us to live like the people of this world because there are so many things that we would want to do. We have our own desires, our own dreams for life. It's so easy for us to just conform to that pattern. But it says here that we're not supposed to do that. Instead, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God transforms us as our minds are renewed, as we learn the will of God, as we grow in our knowledge of God. God transforms us. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God gives us wisdom as we meet with Him. So let's set up our lives in such a way that we can learn wisdom from Him. That's, that's why we have sermons here at church. That's why you have Bibles in your hands so that you can read them. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have Christian friends that we can talk to about the will of God. Let's, let's incorporate all those kinds of things into our lives as we seek to learn from God. So, our knowledge of God is something that we should grow in. But as we move on to point number two, let's remember that God isn't just concerned about knowledge and our brains. God also wants us to live this stuff out that we learn. Warren Wiersbe said, True spiritual wisdom must affect the daily life. So number two, we should pray for a walk that pleases the Lord a walk that pleases the Lord. In verse 10, it says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. The word live in this verse is the same word as in our benediction verse, Colossians 2.6, in which we are told to continue to live in Jesus Christ as Lord. It's that word. For those of you that were in adult Sunday school last Sunday, I, I shared with you that one Greek word, "peripeteo," which means to walk around. And the idea is that we are to walk around with Jesus, just like the disciples of Jesus literally walked around with Him wherever He went, learning from Him. We are to walk around with Jesus on the path that He has for us. So, so we are to walk worthy. We, we are to walk with the Lord. And one of the ways I like to think of this is that that we should live this way in everything that we do. It says in this verse that we would please him in every way. Think of it this way. If there's two paths in life and we all pick the wrong path at first, every one of us picked a path that really was just a path of our own choosing in which we figured out what we wanted to do and we tried to do it in our own power. That kind of a life does not please the Lord. The, The sad thing is that we might think that it pleases the Lord. We might say, well, I'm enjoying this. I bet God's happy with me if I'm enjoying it. But that's, that's not the way that it goes. When we're on that path, we are not pleasing the Lord. So what we were supposed to do is to repent, to get off that path, to ask for forgiveness from God, to receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And if he's our Lord, then that means that he is our master and he leads us in the new path. So you see the difference between these two paths. One, we go our own way and we don't please the Lord. And the other is that we submit our lives fully to the Lord Jesus Christ and we, please, we aim to please Him in everything that we do. So I hope that that's your heart's desire, is that you would live your life worthy of the Lord. that so you would seek to please Him in every single thing you do, whether you're at home or at school or at work or doing something fun or just by yourself, that in everything we do, we would seek to please the Lord. I love Ephesians 5:10 10 on this. so short and simple, but so powerful. It says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Again, I think it's all too easy for us to assume that we're pleasing the Lord if we're just doing our own thing. But let's, let's be honest with ourselves and recognize that not everything that, that we desire to do would please the Lord. That's where we have to find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. How many of you have been married for a long time and are still trying to find out what your spouse likes? And how many of you have failed at that even recently? I, yes, okay. Let's find out what pleases the Lord let let's, let that be a continual goal of our lives that we would find out what pleases Him and that we would walk in it that we would honor Him with a life like that and how are we going to be able to do that? not in our own strength but in the strength that God gives us as we pray so what I'm suggesting that you do here is not just that you would find out what pleases the Lord is that you would pray along those lines that you would pray that for yourself that you would learn what pleases the Lord and that you would have the strength to walk in it And that you would pray this for other people as well. That you would pray that they would find out what pleases the Lord and that they would walk worthy of Him. Talk to God about these things. Is there anything you're doing right now that doesn't please the Lord? Just just in your heart right now, just think about your life. Is there something you know isn't pleasing to Him? Well, stop it. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to help you stop it. Or is there something you're not doing? Is there something that that kind of nags on you every once in a while? Like, oh, I know I should be doing blank, but I'm not doing. Well, guess what? Talk to God about that. If you know you're supposed to be doing it, then talk to God about it and ask for the strength to do it. Number three, we should pray for fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. In Colossians 1.10, it says, bearing fruit in every good work. God intends for us to live productive lives. He wants us to be fruitful. Now, in the Bible, fruit can mean a lot of things. Uh, I was coming up with a list of these. We've got the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of repentance. John the Baptist talked about that. We've got the fruit of light. In John 4, Jesus told his disciples about how they were to be reapers, literally gathering fruit for eternal life now of course let's remember that any of this fruit that God is going to produce in or through us is is not going to be from ourselves it's going to be his work in fact Jesus reminded us that we can't produce fruit by ourselves, I love this in John 15, 4 Jesus said remain in me and I will remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, so what should we be doing? We should be remaining in Jesus, but we should also be praying that we would remain in Jesus. We should be praying that he would bear his fruit through us. As we stay connected to him, God will produce this fruit for us. Because God invites us to live fruitful lives. God has prepared good works. If we go back to verse uh, 10 in Colossians, bearing fruit in every good work, I want you to notice that phrase, good work. It shows up in Ephesians 2.10 where it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work which God prepared in advance for us to do. And actually that word do is that same word peripeteo, to walk around in. So think about this. God loves us. God has good plans for us. He has prepared good works in advance that we would walk around in them, and he will strengthen us to do the good works that he wants us to do. All of that happens as we remain in Jesus, as we seek him, as we trust that he will be the one who produces fruit through us. I think we all want to live productive lives. The best way for us to do that is to stick close to Jesus, to learn from him, to trust that he will bear fruit through us. I want to be fruitful. I want to help people know Jesus. I want to help people grow in their faith. Uh, We're going to talk about those topics next Sunday, about helping people grow in their faith and helping people know Jesus. I want that for myself. I want it for all of you. So what should we do? We should pray about it. Pray that we will live fruitful lives. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing here. He was praying that people would live fruitful lives. So let's take that prayer, pray it for ourselves, pray it for other people. Because on our own, we would get this so wrong. We would, we would not live fruitful lives on our own. We would have the wrong goal, the wrong path in mind. Uh, I was sharing with somebody recently this analogy. Have you, have you heard this analogy about uh, working your whole life to climb a ladder and as you get to the top of the ladder, you recognize that the ladder is resting on the wrong building? That, that's what our lives would be. That would be our fruitfulness apart from God. So in humility, what we need to do is say, God, what's your way? Show me the ladder that you want me to climb and, and help me to climb it. And, and God will produce fruit through us as we live like that. I'm encouraged by this, that that God can make us fruitful. I don't want to just strive on my own and try to come up with stuff on my own. I want to do the life that God has for me. Number four, we should pray for strength. You ever tried to do something in your own power and it didn't go well? I have a story about that. I've worked on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for six years, and oftentimes we would try to meet the freshmen right away when they move in on campus. So what we would try to do sometimes is meet them when they drive up with their van full of stuff and we would help them carry it up to their room. And I remember going up to one guy, and it was always like 95 degrees and no clouds in the sky for some reason on that day. And I remember going up to, to one van and there was an end table sitting there and I looked at it and you know, most college students, they, they go to Target or Ikea and they get these you know, particle board things. Oh, That was easy enough. I'll carry that. Before I picked it up, he said do you want some help with that? It's heavy. And I'm thinking, no, I got this. And as soon as I picked it up, I thought, that was a bad idea. But, of course, being a man, I didn't want to say that I needed help. I think this thing was made out of solid oak. And then when I got there, up to the top of the room, um, he finally said, oh, there, there was a drawer in there I could have taken. Up. Well, thanks for that. You now, <laughs> Have you ever carried something? And this guy lived on the top floor, of course, and we took the stairs. Have you ever carried something so heavy that when you finally set it down and you take your hands off, your hands are still stuck in that position? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was done for the day after that. It was just, I just should have asked for help now I share that illustration to to say I don't want to go through life in my own power it can be so draining to try to do the things that we want to do in our own strength instead of doing the things that God wants to do in the strength that he gives us now um, I want to ask you a question here that I intend for it to be a little bit convicting okay I want you to think about everything you did yesterday. Okay? Think about your it was Saturday. Today is Sunday, right? Yesterday was Saturday. You woke up, you did some stuff. What kind of thing? Just think about what did you do? I did this, I did this, I was with family, maybe some of you did some work. Now I want to ask you the question How much of that stuff did you pray about? Now I'm not saying that we have to, you know, I don't know. It's great to pray about everything in our life. I think we should actually. I think that we should think about the the things that we do in our day and we should pray before we go into each one of them. But I will be the first to admit that I don't always do that. I don't want to go to stuff, go through stuff in my own power. So I'm, I'm saying this, I'm asking this question to convict myself as well as any of you that need to hear it. Let's remember to pray about the stuff that we're doing. To pray for God's strength it says in Colossians 1.11 a prayer request being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience there are three words for power in this verse we could literally translate it being empowered with all power according to his glorious power now that's a lot of power that is way better than the power that I have to do life on my own Now, when we think about all the stuff that God wants us to do in our life, we should recognize that we don't have the power to do it on our own. We cannot live holy lives on our own. We do not have the power in and of ourselves to resist temptation very well. You ever notice that? We do not have the power to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength on our own. We do not have the power to love our neighbors as ourselves on our own. So what should we do about it? We should pray that God will give us the strength for whatever he has for us. God will empower us. It reminds me of another couple of verses. Um, you know how I often say these are some of my favorite verses? I'm actually doing something about that. I am a, I'm in a project right now where I'm trying to figure out my ten favorite verses in the Bible. So I think these might make the top ten list, but uh, I don't know that for sure. Ephesians three sixteen through 17 a says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again I ask, whose power do you want in your life? Yours or God's? You see, the goal here is that God would strengthen us in our inner being. The goal is that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. And if Christ is dwelling in our hearts and the Holy Spirit is strengthening us, then we can do those things that God has laid out for us in advance to do. We need God's strength to live the way that he wants us to live. And getting back to Colossians 1, we see that the reason that God wants to empower us is because he wants us to have great endurance and patience. Both of those words, endurance and patience, imply difficulty. We are going to encounter difficult circumstances in life and difficult people in life. You ever met any of them? If not, I could introduce... No, I'm kidding. I, uh, <laughs> I could, actually. but um, Just because we face difficult circumstances or difficult people doesn't give us the right to quit or, or to be rude to people now we've all done things like that we've all resigned ourselves oh I can't do that I don't have enough strength for that or we, we meet difficult people and we say it's always their fault have you ever if, if it's always somebody else's fault take a look at yourself okay there, there are some people who are constantly offended by people guess what it might be you and it might be your heart that needs to change. You, guess what? You can ask God for endurance and patience and he will give it to you. You don't have to go around being constantly annoyed and offended by people. It's good news. God will strengthen you with his power for great endurance and patience. In fact, that word endurance, it's a, it's a great word. I love this word in the Bible. It means to remain under. It's a compound word. Two parts to it. Remain under. Let me use an illustration for this. Uh, Josh, is that the guy you beat in that powerlifting competition? I, I, yeah, okay. Um, you ever seen these strongman competitions where the goal is to lift a weight above your head and keep it there? Like, like In some competitions, you try to lift the weight above your head and then you throw it down as soon as you got it there. But in this competition, the goal is to, to lift that weight above your head and then to remain under it. And the person who remains under it the longest is the winner. Now, I look at a picture like that and I think... I do not have the strength for that. And and I I think about this then, spiritually speaking, I think about the things that God allows in our lives, and I recognize I do not have the strength for that on my own. God, in his wisdom, yes, he has a good path for us, but he has also allowed difficulties in our paths. And the purpose of those difficulties isn't just that we would wish them away. And it's okay to pray that that God would remove a difficult circumstance. We can pray about that, but we should also recognize that God's will for you in that circumstance might be that you would endure, that you would remain under, that he would strengthen you to be patient in the midst of that circumstance and to even grow in your faith in the midst of that circumstance. Difficult times are going to come for us, and I want us to be ready I want us to trust that God has good purposes and that he will give us the strength that we need. So what should we do about it? We should pray about it. Pray that God will give us the strength that we need. And we can pray this for others as well, especially maybe as you see people going through difficult circumstances. Pray for them that God would give them that powerful strength that they need to go through life. Then number five, we should pray for hearts that thank God. I find it interesting that we, we should pray that we would be thankful. Why, why not just be thankful? Well, because sometimes we need reminders to be thankful. Um, some people are profusely thankful. You ever met these people that you do any small thing for them and they thank you like three times for it and send you a, a fruit basket and, and a thank you note afterwards? And, um, but many people in life are just not very thankful. And I think it's a skill that we can learn being thankful is a skill that we can learn so when Paul talks about here in in verses 11b through 14 joyfully giving thanks to the Father let it be a reminder to us that this is something that we should strive for this is something we should be praying about Paul repeatedly told us that we should be thankful in Philippians 4.4 he said rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice in case you didn't hear me the first time rejoice In our benediction verse, in Colossians 2-7, we're told to be overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is meant to be a huge part of our walk with God. God has done so much for us that we should regularly be thankful to Him. In fact, I've said this before several times here, but I'll say it again. When I was in college, somebody taught me to start out my prayers with thanksgiving. Because so often we rush right to the things that we want to ask God for, but he challenged me to learn this habit of being thankful to God, as we start our prayers. Now, I've since refined that teaching to say that um, thankfulness or adoration or repentance, any one of those three ways is a great way to start your prayer. But the idea here, as we're talking about thankfulness, is that that God is so worthy of praise that that we should regularly give him thanks. And if you're ever wondering what to give God thanks for, you can start with salvation. In fact, that's what these verses uh, really focus in on. Um, to give thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We were not qualified for that on our own. But God has, a, has eternity in mind for us in glory with him. And we get to share in that inheritance with the saints. talks about in verse 13 how God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. I love the imagery in this. That, that we were rescued from the dominion of darkness. And in Ephesians 2, it talks about how we were all dead in sin. Every single one of us. Again, we had chosen that wrong path. We were dead in sin. And it says in Ephesians 2 that uh, we were following the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which is just kind of a nice way of saying Satan. That, that we were all were on a path that, that our enemy, the devil, wanted us to be on. And we were dead in our sins. What did God do in his great love for us? He rescued us. He did that by sending Jesus Christ. So he rescued us from this dominion of darkness, this dark kingdom, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That word for brought us into, I, I just learned this one this week, it's the same word that's used for exile. Now think about this. Usually we think of exile as a bad thing. So here, I'm going I'm to paint a picture for you, and then I'm going to turn the word on its head, and you're going to see how it's a good thing. So in in exile, people are living comfortably, peacefully in their own home, and then a foreign army comes in and, and defeats them, and they take them from their home, and they force them to go and live in a different place in exile. And you can imagine the people who that happened to weren't very thrilled about it. But think about it in regard to us and the kingdoms, the two different kingdoms we were in the dominion of darkness. We were dead in sin. We were on the path that our enemy, the devil, wanted us to be on. It was not a good place for us to be. So what did God do? He defeated the power of that kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, he showed that he has power over sin and death and the devil. And God won the victory over those powers of darkness and brought us out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So that exile then becomes a very good thing for us. We are brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We become co-inheritors with Jesus Christ in glory. It talks about in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That word redemption is also a powerful word. I love this one. It's from the world of slavery. Now, slavery is an awful thing. It's been around for a very, very long time. Let's think about it in ancient times. In slavery in ancient times, what would happen is sometimes a person would rack up such a huge debt that they couldn't pay it off. And the only recourse they had was to sell themselves into slavery. And their life then is reduced to a number. It's reduced to the debt that they owe. You can even think of them as getting like a a placard hanging around their neck with the price on them. And and slaves were often bought and sold at markets. Again, their, their life just reduced to that value of whatever that number was and they couldn't pay it off themselves. But somebody who had financial means could buy them, and if that person who had financial means also had compassion on them, that person could choose to set them free if they wanted to. Now think about us. We were dead in sin. We were slaves to sin. We had earned a sin penalty against ourselves that we could never have paid off. It was hanging around our neck. Jesus, though, had the means to cover that debt, and he had compassion on us. He lived a perfect life, offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, so that he took our sin penalty upon himself, took that placard off of our neck and was placed on him and he died for us. And because he loves us so much, he set us free. So when it talks about our redemption and the forgiveness of sins, we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, you know, some people are not very thankful. I've already, I've already mentioned that idea. I want you to think about you and your prayers and, and how often or how not often you say thanks to god i think that some people go through life just thinking about all the stuff that's going wrong and if you're always thinking about the stuff that's going wrong in your life you probably don't have much time to think about thanking god for what he's done for you but guess what we all have so much to thank god about and here's where i want to challenge you to spend some time intentionally thanking god in prayer uh, again, last Sunday in our adult Sunday school class, we went through the stages of prayer and, the, and one of them was Thanksgiving. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I'm so glad we did that because it, it just gives us the time to do what we probably should be doing anyways but haven't been doing. So I want to challenge you. In, in, in the Bible, Jesus challenged us to go and find that inner room, that secret room in our house where we could go quietly and pray to our Father who sees what is done in secret. Have you been there recently to just thank God for who he is and for what he's done for you. We have so much to be thankful for. We have salvation to be thankful for. We have the things that God is doing in his life right now to lead us. We have, we have people in our lives that we can be thankful for. Let's be people who regularly give thanks to God. And if you're recognizing that you're not a very thankful person, then I just want to encourage you to pray about this. To pray that you would have a thankful heart that regularly talks to God about how thankful you are for him. And then also pray this for other people as well because that's a a huge part of this prayer is not just that we would learn to pray these things for ourselves but that we would learn to pray them for other people as well. And here's my conclusion. Do your prayers sound like this? Again, one of my great desires for you all and for myself is, is that we would learn these prayers of the Bible and that we would incorporate them into our prayer lives. I've used this analogy here before, but I kind of like this one. Imagine all of your prayers from the last week written out and handed to you. Maybe it's on a post-it note. I hope not. Maybe it's on a, a pretty thick book. But if you were to look through those prayers, how many of those prayers would be just for things that you wanted? Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to talk to God about the things that we want. I think we should do that. We should learn God's heart for that. Or maybe most of your prayers would just be for blessed food and blessed travels and blessed health. And again, it's okay to ask for those things, but if that's all we're praying for, we're getting it wrong. That's why I love to look at the prayers of Scripture like the one that we've just looked at and to pattern our prayer lives after these things. So I'm, I'm going to put these five points back up on the screen again. We should pray for growth in our knowledge of God. God wants us to know Him, so we should pray about knowing Him more and following His will. We should pray for a walk that pleases the Lord because on our own, we would not please the Lord. Just picking our own path, we would not please the Lord. So let's pray that we would be humble enough to go on the path that God has for us and that we would please Him. We should pray for fruitfulness. God wants to produce fruit through us. It won't happen just again according to our own desires and our own plans. So let's pray that God would cause us to be fruitful as we remain in Jesus. We should pray for strength because we don't have the strength to do the things that God wants us to do on our own. But in the power of the Holy Spirit walking around with Christ, God will empower us. I love that. All three members of the Trinity at work to empower us into the lives that God wants us to live. And then again, number five, we should pray for hearts that thank God. Pray that your heart would give praise to God. Now, oftentimes when I put a list up like this on the screen, I ask you to pick out one or two of them and and focus on them for the day or for the week. And, And that's great. Do that. I would encourage you to do that. Well, I have another application for this sermon. Um, I'm planning over the next five days of the week, Monday through Friday, to send out an email to you each morning that, that has one of these prayer requests per day so that on Monday we can focus on praying for growth in our knowledge of God. We can pray that for ourselves. We can pray that, that for the people. Do you have a prayer list of people that you're praying through daily? I, I kind of hope you do. I have one of those. So maybe on Monday we can pray that we would all grow in our knowledge of God. And then I'll send an email reminder on Tuesday morning uh, to remind us to pray for a walk that pleases the Lord. Uh, By the way, if you're not on Cornerstone's email list, you can just uh, get your email address to me right now, and I'll I'll add you to it. Um, But the idea is here that we would take the prayers that we see in the Bible, that we would recognize that God has a better path for us than we would have on our own. We, We ask Him for the things that He wants to give us, and He is pleased to give those things to us when we pray according to His will, when we pray by faith. Let's pray these things for ourselves. Let's pray these things for other people. I want to close my sermon now by praying, and I'm just going to take the words of this prayer, and again, um, yeah, let's just trust that God will produce these things in our lives. So Heavenly Father, we pray that You would fill us with the knowledge of Your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Lord, we pray that we would live lives worthy of You and that we would please You in every way. God, we pray that that You would cause us to bear fruit in every good work. We pray that we would grow in the knowledge of You, God. We pray that we would be strengthened with all power according to Your glorious might so that we would have great endurance and patience. And Lord, we pray that we would joyfully give thanks to You, Father, because You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of the light. We praise you that you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, for what you are doing, for what you've already done, and for what you will do in our lives. I pray that we would be people of prayer who trust in your strength and who go on the path that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.